Welcome to Apparently Speaking, the podcast from Northeast Ohio Parent with your host, Miriam Connor. Hi, this is Miriam. Thanks for listening to Apparently Speaking. School stress and social pressure seems to be affecting kids more than ever. How can you as a parent curtail some of that and help your kids have a happy and healthy school experience? My guest today is here to talk about some of these issues and what we can do to help. Jennifer Kalman is a mental health expert on Just Answer, where she's provided online support to those in need since 2012. In addition to her work on Just Answer, Kelman has been a licensed clinical social worker for more than 30 years and maintains a private practice specializing in relationships, parenting, and children's mental health issues. She's also a children's book author, having written three books that delicately weave in themes of trust, vulnerability, and hope in her stories. Kelman has lectured extensively around the country and appeared on news and television programs covering a range of issues, including relationships, parenting, body image, eating disorders, and children's mental health. This episode is sponsored by Montrose Mazda Kent. They go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at MazdaKent.com. Beck Center for the Arts in Lakewood, Ohio is a nonprofit arts organization that creates arts experiences for all ages. Starting at six weeks for babies and caregiver music group classes to watercolor painting for those in their late 90s, you and your family can find something that excites and engages all of you throughout your lives. Enjoy a youth theater production, a dance performance, professional theater plays and musicals, or get involved with a music, dance, theater, or visual arts class. Visit the Lakewood campus and experience free visual arts exhibitions that rotate throughout the year. Check out all Beck Center has to offer at beckcenter.org. Nestled on a 45-acre estate, McGregor Assisted Living features 90 new private suites, supporting our mission to promote lifelong health and wellness for older adults while helping them find meaning in their retirement years. McGregor Assisted Living, build a lifestyle that suits you. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer, for being here. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to our conversation. I am as well. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. No, I'm glad to have you here. So, you know, um, as I was thinking about our topic and some things I wanted to ask you, you know, talking about school stress and social pressure, you know, kids not fitting in, it's kind of like one of those things that never changes, but then it it does change. If you know what I mean? Like it's like the, you know, always, that's always seems to be the case, no matter what, with what generation, you know, there's school stress and, and social pressure, but I feel like it seems worse now. Now, do you agree than when I was in school? It's funny. So I was going to say the same thing. I believe that probably every generation, every parent thinks this is really tough for our children. But I do agree with you that it does feel worse. And perhaps because now I have children that are that age as well, that are in you know the school age years. But I do feel that it's worse. I feel that there's a tremendous amount of pressure that probably was different. I, I, I won't say it didn't exist mm-hmm. back then, whenever back then was, <laughs> but I, I do feel it is more intense for many reasons. Um, more of the push to having to get into the right college or make the proper team or to get scholarships or to, um, from a, um, an athletic standpoint, my, my child is so phenomenal at this sport and they're going to go get an athletic scholarship here at the best school um, or academically. And I feel that that has gotten really um, 
a, a bit more pressure to it than in the old days. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with everything you just said. And and right, I do agree. You know, everybody probably says, you know, when I was a kid, you know, we didn't, but it is, it is. And, and I think it's kind of gotten a little, it seems to me like a little out of hand with everything you just mentioned, you know, getting in the right college, the team, the scholarships, the athletics, the academics, you know, um, it just seems like so extreme, um, you know, athletics, for example, and my kids, you know, have been in, in sports, you know, all, all along. My husband's been a coach forever, but we don't, you know, we definitely don't try to, you know, pressure our kids. We try to, you know, we know what we're realistic and, you know, it just seems like, you know, a kid's three years old and it's like, okay, they're on track. I got to get them on track to, you know, to, to do this and get this athletic scholarship and be, you know, whatever. And it's like, there it's so much and so intense and we're going to be gone, you know, every weekend and we have to get on these certain teams or this or that will happen. And it just seems like extreme (laughs) and the same with grades, same thing with academics, you know, like you have to take every single, and I'm not faulting, you know, some kids really wanted to take this path and that's wonderful, but it's kind of like, you know, you must do all these extra things, take every single AP class, take every single, you know, and to, to be on this path. And a lot of times it's just, it's a lot of pressure. You bring up so many good points in that. And I think really where we can start is the parental pressure. Our children feel it from us. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, what we're really creating for them is an environment where they can't just be. And if we allowed our children to just be, we will most likely see that they will thrive more. Whether we talk about it being the hopes and dreams of the parents projecting that onto our children or just feeling um, that they need to keep up with what another family is doing or what another child is doing, how they're succeeding in school, we're really harming our children. And it would really be great if we could all just take that collective sigh, um, exhale a bit, and let our children guide the way for what's best for them because in the end, they know. That doesn't mean you become uninvolved. It doesn't mean you don't put them on a sports team or get them that math tutor that they might need if they need it. But just to stay more present in the moment and not project when they're eight years old, where they're going to go to college and just enjoy the fact that at eight, they're running down the field, having a great time with their friends. And that is really where the growth happens in that socialization, not because we've pushed them. And you will find that the more we push, let's just stay on that athletic standpoint, the more we push by age 13 and 14, we see kids dropping out of sports because of the intense pressure And because children are feeling that it isn't for them, it is for their parents or their parents' dream or the parents' push for them to go to a certain school five, seven, ten years down the line. And that's that's unfortunate. And we're harming our children, causing an extreme amount of stress and anxiety for them. And I've, I've seen that many times, you know, where it's so intense, you know, with the athletics and they're so into it. And then, and the child, um, 
a lot of times has a lot of talent, you know, and they, and they, they're very good, but it's so much just like you said. And then they get to, you know, junior high, they get to high school or whatever. And they're like, I, I, they, they stop playing and, you know, it's sad. And it's, it's because it's just been so much. Um, and, and like you said, it's just too intense, too much. They're burnt out. Um, and it's just too much. And, I love what you said, you know, just really thinking, you know, when you said, you know, kind of just let them be. And I, I really like that, that you said that. And, you know, I've seen that in my own life personally, you know, everyone gets caught up. I think sometimes, well, and you feel like you try to orchestrate these things or you think like, well, they can't possibly be happy because they, they need to be doing this and this and this, or they're not going to succeed if they don't do this and this. So you try to, you know, get in there and do all that. And then when you do just let them be and take a step back, they are so much better off, like you said, and so much happier. And I've seen that with my own kids when I've just let them be. And like you said, that doesn't mean don't help them, don't get them involved in things, don't support them, don't, you know, make sure that they're on the right track, you know, as far as school. And if they want to be in athletics, make sure they're on the right track to do the things they want to do. But when you take that step back, when I've taken that step back and just kind of let them be, it, they are. They, they thrive so much more. Yes, and sometimes the thriving takes place in the stillness. Mm -hmm. We all get caught up in the routines and the schedules, and I think everyone's exhausted, parents, children, mm -hmm. and the exhaustion is leading to increased anxiety, especially among kids. Um, and then COVID even changed that a little bit because now I hear a lot from parents that I work with on Just Answer or in my private practice that well, due to COVID, because they were locked up for so many uh, months and years and weren't in school, they're actually doing more. And although I understand that at some level that things were missed, let's not go overboard and overschedule them to the point where they become almost non-functional and it just becomes where they are not necessarily driven by themselves, but driven by the parents to just be involved in everything to make up for lost time. Our kids are suffering. I see it over and over again, again, with the people I work with on Just Answer and in my practice. The kids still need some downtime. There's a difference between um, having been removed from things because of COVID and um, giving them some downtime and giving them some stillness to figure things out for themselves. We are doing them a disservice by constantly filling them with things that they have to do, keep up with or not even letting them figure out what they like or enjoy anymore. So maybe that's my own two cents, you know, personally and professionally. Um, but I think both things can exist. They can be involved in things and they can still find some stillness, like I said before, and just be and have growth within that space as well. Hey, this is Miriam from Apparently Speaking. Join the Mazda family like I did at Montrose Mazda Kent. You'll love the selection of new and used cars and lease options. We are on our third car from Kent Mazda. We keep going back because of the ease of purchase and it has been by far the best deal we could find each time. Montrose Mazda Kent, they go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at MazdaKent.com. No, I love what you're saying. Right. And and you're not saying at all, don't let them be involved in things. These things are negative. Obviously, doing well academically, that's a positive. That's going to help them in their future. You know, athletics, um, music, clubs, all these kind of things 
um, are, can be great for kids, but it gets to a point where it's just maybe too much, you know, that, and that's, what, that's what you're saying. And I, there, there, there's no downtime. And I just recorded an episode about teens and sleep, you know, and it's like, they're not getting enough sleep because of all this, there is no downtime. So they're staying up late to do, you know, their homework and all that because they've been so overscheduled. And, you know, I, I hear a lot of parents will say to me like, well, you know, I have to keep them busy all the time. They won't, they, they will stay out of trouble that way. You know, keeping them, keeping them so busy will keep them out of trouble. Actually, you know, I, when you say that, I, I, it, it makes me think of, I wonder if the reverse is true because here's why that if we constantly fill the spaces, even for ourselves or for our children, they never learn to dig deep internally, to find that space of resilience and confidence to stay out of trouble. So it's, if I, if you're following me there, meaning that yeah. if we fill them constantly and then all of a sudden there is that space of quiet, then they get into trouble because they don't know how to sit in that space of quiet. So why not teach them both things? And when you're just talking about them being involved in things. Of course, I'm all for that. I'm involved. I want them to be involved in school. I want them to be involved in sports, music, clubs. But here's why. More for a connection piece that all humans thrive in connection. So less about, are they going to go to the perfect college, whatever that means, and more about, are they able to connect with other human beings so that they can thrive in whatever college they go to and whatever they whatever college they go to happens to be the college that is the right fit for them mm -hmm. as opposed to the right college so you've said a thousand amazing things there that just made my mind go in in, in many different directions so let's look at it as connection and not filling those spaces so that they don't get in trouble but not filling those spaces so they learn how to dig deep, find themselves, find their center, find their resilience, and find their confidence. So in that space of quiet, they don't look for trouble because they are confident enough to sit alone, be alone, read a book, take a walk in the forest, build Lego, depending upon your age, and find that space for yourself that allows you to fit in with yourself so that you are strong enough to take on the world however that looks for you. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense. And I agree with you a hundred percent. And I love that, right. Be involved in these things for connection. You know, it's something you enjoy doing. It's an outlet. If you, it, I think, you know, if, if a kid happens to excel at a certain thing, that's great. Go for it. You know what I mean? But if they, if that's what they want to do. Um, and I love that you, how you talked about, you know, if we fill them up with no, no downtime, like you said, then, they're not going to know what to do when they do have some. So, you know, let's say when they go to college, for example, you're not orchestrating all of their hours, um, you know, so, so they have to choose then what they're going to do in that downtime. <laughs> so well, that downtime, uh, you know, that's what made me think of it. If we're filling it, like you said, we're filling it and then they have that downtime, they don't know what to do. And that's where anxiety can creep up. And that's where one can, in quotes, look for that trouble because it can be anxiety producing if you don't know how to sit alone and be with yourself. 
Yeah. And what's wrong? I guess I'm not sure when it, when like downtime or it turned into like a negative thing, but I think a lot of people think of it as a late, as a kind of like they're lazy or, you know, I can't have them not doing something this season or, you know, during this time in their life or whatever, or they can't stop doing something they've been doing, you know, all along because I've invested, you know, it's all comes back to the parents. A lot of times, like I've invested so much time and money and I've made so many friends myself, you know, in this, activity that if they stop doing it, then what? Right. And that goes back to what I said earlier, that we as parents have to pay attention to what our needs are and the needs of our child. And so again, I'm all for sports. I'm all for teams. If it turns out a travel team because a child excels, but you said something interesting before about, well, if a child excels, it's great for them to be doing this. A thousand percent, I agree. But what about the child that, say, isn't excelling but still loves it? Keep them involved. Again, that's the connection. Um, we, we get so caught up in, well, my child is a phenomenal baseball player or a tennis player or a softball player, whatever it may be, that you know they're going to go places. But let's just say they're middle of the pack. They're still going places because they're learning how to take direction from a coach mm-hmm. that isn't their parent. They're learning how to get along with others in the dugout of life, I like to call it. Um, You know, I always say about about my children, they can land in any dugout in life and do well. And isn't that what we should be striving for as parents, that whatever dugout we put our child in or whatever dugout they put themselves in, that they can thrive? That's what we want. And that comes from not necessarily hitting the home run, but hitting the home run in getting along with those on your team, being a good teammate, being a coachable kid, that is what the goal should be, in my view, of course, professionally and personally. Yeah, absolutely. That that should be the goal. Those are the things that are going to carry them, you know, later in life. And unfortunately, now, just speaking in sports, and I'm sure this carries over to, you know, music and some other things as well, clubs, but, you know, um, if you're not, you know, quote unquote, you know, a great player or whatever it is, unfortunately, what I've seen is like, there isn't a lot of opportunity, you know, it's like, rec is looked at, you know, when the kids are little, real little, you know, yes, they all do that. And that's great. And that's fun. And and it is great time for them usually if they're ready for it. But, um, you know, as they get a little bit older, it's kind of like, well, if you're not great, then you're not going to make all these teams. And rec then is kind of like, oh, your kid plays. Oh, they play rec. You know what I mean? It's kind of like. Exactly. Oh, you're not on a travel team. Yes, there is that. Oh, oh, he must, they stink. You know, that kind of thing. There is that elitism that has existed now around the travel versus rec. And what's interesting is years back, travel really was reserved for more of the elite player. There were, um, I guess, a bit more significant tryouts, but now rec is is the same as travel, at least in my view, except the fact that you're paying paying. (laughs) more significant dues in travel. But I, I, you know, it's become a different thing, but yes, there is that quality that exists with, Oh, you don't play travel. And that's unfortunate because again, you have to look at it as what are you trying to uh, get out of it for your child? What does your child want from it? Yeah. If they're an amazing player, absolutely. Let them guide that process as well. But I think the art of, of getting along, being a, a teammate, 
having sportsmanship, being coachable. I think that gets lost a lot. And, you know, part of what you also wanted to address was social pressure. This all fits into that because if they're not the elite athlete, are they going to fit in? How are they going to be looked at on a team? Are they welcomed? Are they, are they coached up the same way um, as the child that is excelling? And we keep using sports as the analogy, but this is whether we're talking about school or friendships or friend groups, it's all the same. How are these kids doing? How are they accepted? How are they thriving with whatever um, activity they are involved in? Build a lifestyle that suits you at McGregor and choose how to spend your days. We recognize that finding meaning in our retirement years is foremost. We promote health and wellness throughout our campus where you can enjoy our walking paths, visit with friends on any one of our patios and courtyards, and make new friends. Find meaning in your retirement years. Call McGregor at 216-220-2209. You know, I was just talking with a friend at the pool last night. It was interesting. And um, her girls were there and we were just talking about, you know, whatever. We just started a conversation and we started talking about, you know, their friends and their friend groups. And um, her girls are in elementary. And she said, wow, you know, I, it's crazy. I see already with some girls that, you know, they're just not nice and, and all this. And we talked about, you know, um, hey, if they can kind of buy into and understand that even a few good friends that you're going to be better off than a lot of friends that aren't good friends, you know, and things like that. But um, I think especially it seems I, that there's always been issues, obviously, since, you know, the beginning of time with cliques and different kids that aren't so nice and all of that. But it seems worse because of social media is my guess. That's one of the reasons. Um, and it just it, do you do you agree with that? Do you probably have a lot of kids talk about that in your yes. practice? I, I mean, I have a vehement reaction toward device use and social media. Mm -hmm. And I am in the camp of that it is more harmful than good. Mm -hmm. I am not one that um, succumbs to fear of missing out. And so I try to raise my children with that same sort of philosophy. And again, it goes back to what we said a few minutes ago in terms of being okay in that quiet space. And if we can raise our children being okay in that quiet space and being resilient, then that can carry over when the social media mayhem exists. So there are several things about it. One is device use. I, I, I don't believe in heavy device use. I think it damages our children's brains. Mm -hmm. I understand that it is a way now that children connect. But at the same time, when they need to go for that college interview or they need to go for that interview for their first job and they can't make eye contact because they're only used to looking down at a device and texting and Snapchatting and all that nonsense, um, again, we're harming them. So for me, it's a balance. Um, and yes, kids are prone to, if you're not on social media, then are you being left out? You know, again, this is more of a personal uh, flavor of mine, but my teenagers are not on social media and they're doing fine in their friend groups. Um, their friends have respected that they're not on group chats. And so far where parents might feel nervous that they're going to get pushed back or be left out, I, I'm not seeing it. 
I think people are more afraid to try it than um, for for the worry that bad things will happen. But unfortunately, we've only seen the bad things that happen with extreme device and social media use. Again, it's a personal bent of mine, but I also see professionally on Just Answer and in my practice that more harm than good comes from it. Yeah, I I agree with everything you just said. And my oldest, she's in college. She has social media. You know, she she's she's in college now, but she's and time good. And place and and right right yeah. time to, for for her to be that way. Right, and she did have it in high school. You know, I tell her now, like, look, you know, if I could go backwards, I would not. But she she's good about, especially now, she's real good about regulating. She she will erase the, you know, the app from, she'll delete it um, from her phone. And she says, you know what, I just need to take a break from it for a few weeks. Um, it's starting to kind of affect me. So she's very good about, you know, she, she can see that about herself and she'll just not go on. You know, she's very good about that. Then she'll say, well, I'll go on a little and then I'll take it away. You know, that kind of thing. My other two, my son's in high school, my daughter's going to start middle school. They do not have it. And that's not a plan of, of mine. Um, and they don't, you know, my son, I don't think he'll ever care, which is good. <laughs> um, my youngest, you know, I think girls maybe a little bit more, maybe um, want that. But she, we've already started to talk about that, that she doesn't have a phone. When she does get a phone, that's not going to be part of it. Um, I just think, right, it just creates so many issues and so much drama. And I think some parents are afraid that, you know, well, their kids are going to be mad at them. Um, if they tell them they can't have it and then also right that fear of missing out. Well, my kid's the only one that doesn't have it. And so what's everyone else going to think, which to that, I say, I, who cares, <laughs> but that's, I think those are some issues that, you know, maybe some parents struggle with, or they think, you know, it's just a fun, they're just connecting with their friends and it's fun and it can be fun, you know, even me and as adult, but I've really, even as an adult personally, I'm kind of like, have been on less and less and less and less because I just see, you know, the negative sides of it. Right. And what's, I'm so proud of you that your daughter's going into middle school and she doesn't have anything. I think <laughs> that um, most of her friends will, yes. if not, they already do. But in the end, I think you're doing the best thing for her because I have so many people professionally and personally say to me, I wish I could have been as strong as you. And it's not like I'm trying to ruin fun or harm fun. No. It's just there's a, there's a time and place, and I just don't believe that middle school is is that time. All it takes is that one picture to be sent or received, and uh, life changes. So if we can um, delay that use till the mind is developed a little bit more and really understand the ramifications, then I wholeheartedly believe in that. And, and this yeah. is something that is rampant. I, I mean, in terms of my practice and on Just Answer, this mm. is coming up a lot, the devastation after the fact. Mm. And this is something that's preventable. This is something that we can see. We can, we can see the train wreck about to happen. So why, why step in front of the train? Right. But why, why, why does everyone do it? You know? And like I said, I, I, I'm not saying, you know, I have social media, you know, my oldest artist, I'm not saying there aren't, you know, plus sides to it and things like that. I'm not saying that a parent is bad if they have, you know, their kids have it. I, I mean, most of my daughter's friends, um, 
have it. And I don't think their parents are bad parents. I think they're great parents. They're good kids. The kids are real good. So I don't think they're trying to get on there and do anything. You know, I don't think that at all, but um, you know, it's just interesting that it is just becomes younger and younger and younger and younger. Correct. And I'm not ever in a place of judgment. I I work with people wherever they are. So, you know, whether I'm with a just answer client online or in my private practice, if a parent comes to me with heavy device use, it is not my job or my place to tell them that they've done anything wrong or to get them to make any change. I support um, where my client is. Um, And so if they're a device using family or social media family, we just work within that. These are just my personal things or what, what I believe and like how you believe in it. But everyone gets to make their own decision what works for them. There is no right or wrong way about parenting. There is just the way of the family values and what works for that specific family. And you work within it. And if there are issues that come up, then you deal with it. Right. But when you see repeatedly, you know, some of these issues, then you you can professionally say, you know what, this is probably, you know, there might be a better route or wait longer or whatever it may be. Um, right. Which is not judgmental. It's just, you're saying, this is my experience that, you know, you've yes. probably seen time and time again. Um, so it's, it's not a coincidence, I guess I would say. Um, when, when people come to me in advance, you know, what, what do you yeah. think? How, how should we handle this? We haven't done anything yet. Yeah. There'll be more of a flavor there, but if they're already involved, of course, there's no judgment. You just have to work within it. But of course, professionally, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting the parent signing up for, for therapy or coming to me on just answer to say, Hey, you know what? I've given my middle schooler, um, social media. And I just wanted to reach out and say, it's going phenomenally. Everything, you know, I, I don't get that. I get the other side, you know, what what can I do? My, my child's gotten into some, some stuff here and and how can you count? How can you help? So, but it's all part of fitting in. And and this, like you said earlier, this isn't new. It's just the way in which it's happened is new Mm -hmm. fitting in and social pressure and wanting to be liked and wanting to have your group that's existed forever and will exist to the end of time. And so how best to help our children navigate those waters, give them the resilience to do it themselves and give them the family value so that they're, when they're not with you, similar to what you're saying about your college age daughter, that she knows when it's too much for herself and she can pull back. That's, that's beautiful parenting right there. She's internalized that. That's what we want. Beck Center for the Arts in Lakewood, Ohio is a nonprofit arts organization that creates arts experiences for all ages. Starting at six weeks for babies and caregiver music group classes to watercolor painting for those in their late 90s, you and your family will find something that excites and engages all of you throughout your lives at every skill level. Enjoy a youth theater production, a dance performance, professional theater plays and musicals, or get involved with a music, dance, theater, or visual arts class. Visit the Lakewood campus and experience free visual arts exhibitions that rotate throughout the year. Beck Center even offers creative arts therapies for all ages and all abilities in music, dance, theater, and visual arts in a private lesson or group class setting at a school, clinic, or on the campus. If someone in your life is autistic, these services are highly beneficial. Great progress can be made through arts therapy at any step in a client's journey. Check out all Beck Center has to offer at beckcenter.org.
you know, I've had, you know, also some, you know, many parents say, you know, well, how, you know, I wish my kids were, you know, more confident. I wish they didn't succumb so much to these pressures or get so upset about, you know, these social situations that happen, you know, friends, friend groups and things like that. You know, how can they, how can I instill more confidence in them? Do you see that quite a bit? I see it very often. Um, and confidence comes from within. And so when I'm working with parents or even children that are um, maybe suffering a little bit in the confidence area, I, I try to have them dig deep and find the areas where they do feel confident. So if they're suffering, struggling a little bit in one area, I get them to dig deep to find that area where they feel more confident. So let's just say someone is confident on the baseball field, but less confident in the school setting, whether it's academically or socially. I get them to look deeply at where their confidence level is on the field and how they perform out there and to see if they can find a way to translate those same feelings into a situation where they aren't as um, strong or feeling as efficacious in that area. And it's a remarkable way to help them carry that armor with them. If, if I can say it that way, mm -hmm. so that they can, um, use it to their advantage in an area where they are feeling a little less confident. Does that make sense? Yes, it did. It does definitely for sure. Yes. Um, and I think, um, you know, I, all of the things we talked about can lead to like, like the downtime, the, you know, not, not having that heavy device use and all of those kind of things to me will help the confidence. Absolutely. I am a huge proponent that, you know, you develop confidence by doing hard things, mm -hmm. by putting yourself in situations that aren't so easy. There is no growth in comfort. There is only growth in mistakes and discomfort. So if we're just paving the way for ourselves or our children with ease, we're not teaching them how to pull themselves up by the bootstraps and gain that resilience that's needed for the next difficult moment. So I'll repeat that. There is no growth in comfort. It is only discomfort. So we almost want that discomfort for ourselves and our children because that is where their confidence grows. And then we can reflect back on those moments and remind ourselves or them, look what you achieved when you did this. And when you entered that situation, you weren't confident. You were nervous. Nerves are good. They get you through things. But you dug deep and you got through it. Let's remember that success because now let's carry it toward this new event that feels scary and somewhat disconcerting or uncomfortable. Yes. That's, and I think that's what we want to give them. Yeah. And this is a whole nother conversation, obviously, I'm sure. But like that goes a whole nother thing brings up, you know, where, you know, I think a lot of parents want to do everything for their kids and we want them to, it comes from a good place. We want, you don't want to see your kids mm -hmm. suffer or struggle and, you know, but I think getting in there and doing everything, like you said, they're not seeing that growth. They're not able to dig deep. They don't have that then frame of reference where, oh yeah, I did this before. I felt this way. 
Um, I felt a little nervous or unsure, but I actually did it and then it was fine. Um, so I can do it again, that kind of thing. Correct. And I guess maybe a good self-monitor for parents is when I'm doing this for my child, I understand I'm doing it from a place of love and my heart is full, but am I enhancing them or am I detracting from their growth? Mm -hmm. Am I stealing their sense of efficacy or am I giving them the space to become efficacious uh, on their own? Those are the kinds of questions that we can quickly do a a self-check to whether it's the right thing to jump in and uh, help or when, when we should, you know, pull back a little bit and let them, even if they flail a little bit, it's okay. Even if they flounder, even if they make that mistake and fail, that might be a good thing. I love just how you, you just explained everything, worded everything and um, just your communication style. And I think a lot of parents can benefit from hearing you talk about these things. So I really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. I think, um, how can listeners find you? Well, first, I'm an expert on Just Answer. So if you go to justanswer.com, you can request me directly by writing. And my handle on Just Answer is Therapist Jen. And you can request in a question for Therapist Jen only, and it will come to me. Or you can find me at my website at jenniferkelman.com. Pretty simple. Perfect. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, Thank you so, so much for being here. I really appreciate it. It is my absolute pleasure. It was a lot of fun. And let's do it again and tackle all the other subjects that we have. I would love to. Definitely. I would love to. Thank you so much. This episode is sponsored by Montrose Mazda Kent. They go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at MazdaKent.com. Beck Center for the Arts in Lakewood, Ohio is a nonprofit arts organization that creates arts experiences for all ages. Starting at six weeks for babies and caregiver music group classes to watercolor painting for those in their late 90s, you and your family can find something that excites and engages all of you throughout your lives. Enjoy a youth theater production, a dance performance, professional theater plays and musicals, or get involved with a music, dance, theater, or visual arts class. Visit the Lakewood campus and experience free visual arts exhibitions that rotate throughout the year. Check out all Beck Center has to offer at beckcenter.org. Nestled on a 45-acre estate, McGregor Assisted Living features 90 new private suites, supporting our mission to promote lifelong health and wellness for older adults while helping them find meaning in their retirement years. McGregor Assisted Living, build a lifestyle that suits you. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. Listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. Find the podcast and much more at northeastohioparent.com, like Apparently Speaking on Facebook, and email me at podcast at northeastohioparent.com.